Welcome to the Texas Wine Lover Podcast. This is episode number 30, where Jeff talks to Chris Hornbaker and Dave Potter from Eden Hill Vineyard. This is your first time listening to the Texas Wine Lover Podcast. Welcome. And if you're a returning listener, thanks for coming back. Today we talk to Chris Hornbaker, winemaker and co-owner of Eden Hill Vineyard, along with his assistant winemaker, Dave Potter. Sit back and enjoy the podcast. Hi, I'm Jeff Cope, and today I'm at Eden Hill Vineyard, and I'm talking to winemaker Chris Hornbaker and assistant winemaker Dave Potter. Thanks, Chris and Dave, for joining us. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks for coming up. So for those, uh, Chris, that do not know about Eden Hill, can you give us a little background of Eden Hill and your role here? Sure. So about 12 years ago, uh, mom and dad and I, we found some land up here in Salina and we were wondering what to do with it. And we wanted to uh, make use of the land. And um, when I was growing up as a kid, mom uh, is from San Jose, from Northern California, and dad is from Kansas. And when I was a kid, uh, some summers I'd go out to Northern California and we'd run around in the wineries and the vineyards up there. And I really fell in love with, uh, you know, grape growing and uh, farming in Northern California. And then uh, other summers I'd go to Kansas and I'd help uh, the family out on the farm up there, driving the tractors and moving hay bales around and uh, have a lot of great memories of spending nights out in the farmhouse that have like this old sleeping porch that you could sleep on, you know, and the breeze would come through. And it was just a great experience as a kid to be able to experience farming with mom and dad. So about 12 years ago, when we bought the land up here in Salina and we were wondering what to do with it, uh, we decided, what if we tried grape growing? Uh, we had discovered that there was a vineyard uh, just north of our property here, an old vineyard, uh, I think it was called Preston Vineyards, and uh, they grew French Columbard and some other European varietals. Uh, that vineyard's not there anymore, but we drove by and we saw it, and uh, the soil was very similar to the soil on the land that we bought here, uh, just south of them. And then I discovered that there was a winemaking college in Sherman, up in Grayson, in Grayson College. And so everything seemed to kind of come together. We decided, let's go into business together. Let's grow grapes and make wine. And um, the funny story about this property, though, people always ask us, that, well, how did you find this exact piece of acreage here for the vineyard and the winery to be on? And um, uh, mom and dad were out here looking for land. And they were actually going to look at a different piece of property. Uh, and they were uh, having to make a U-turn and turn around on the county road. Well, about 12, 13 years ago, the roads out here weren't that great. And so they had to come up on this land where Eden Hill is now to make a U-turn. And it had just rained. And they got stuck <laughs> in the mud <laughs> on this property. And um, there was this man who had a tractor and he was driving by the road on the county road. And he hooked it up to dad's truck and he pulled him out of the mud with his tractor and uh, dad jumped back in the truck to take mom to see that other piece of land. And mom turned to dad and said, no, no, this is a sign. This is it. This is where we're supposed to be. You know? <laughs> so shortly after that, they made a, a bid for the property and they bought the land. And um, a few years after that, we planted our vineyard. 
And uh, I wrapped up my uh, winemaking classes there at Grayson, and uh, the rest is history, actually. We've been uh, in business now, growing grapes and making wine here for, uh, I guess, about um, uh, eight or nine years now. It's yeah. been it's been a great experience. And uh, obviously, from the awards and stuff we've been seeing, you've been doing very well. So uh, congratulations on all that. Thank you. I'm very honored by that. Yeah, we've been very blessed. Um, we knew we were taking a big risk because our passion is to make wine from grapes grown in Texas. And uh, we wanted to share that same joy with our customers. What that means, though, is kind of the same thing that my professors taught me um, in winemaking uh, class, and that is that the best wine that you'll ever make is from growing the right grapes for your climate and for your soil type. And we've discovered, of course, by and by, that the right grapes for our soil and climate here in Salina and North Texas and in many other parts of Texas is Italian and Spanish and Southern uh, Southern French grapes. And unfortunately, or fortunately, however you want to look at it, those grapes uh, don't have a lot of name recognition among customers. Um, it's not very often that you'd go to say, you know, uh, HEB or you'd go to Tom Thumb or Kroger and see a, um, a whole aisle of Ionico uh, wine or a whole, a whole aisle of Roussan wine. Um, so we knew we were taking a risk by um, deciding to grow those grapes. Uh, there are the grapes that grow the best in Texas because of Texas heat and the soil that we have is very similar, of course, to Spanish and Italian and Southern French soil and climate. So we were kind of taking a double risk. You know, one, we were, we were only making wine from grapes grown in Texas. And two, we were making the wine from grapes that not a lot of people had heard of. But the saying held true, if you grow the right grapes for your climate and your soil, you're going to make the best wine. And so I think that the medals and the recognition that we've gotten as a winery um, is uh, really due to the fact that uh, we're growing the right grapes and we're uh, making wine from the grapes that do well in our climate, not our terroir. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned the vineyard here, the uh, winery. Uh, how many acres is the estate vineyard here and what do you grow? So the estate vineyard here is two acres. And we grow uh, an acre of Tempranillo and an acre of orange muscat. And the soil here is pretty interesting. Um, you know, we're going to be building a new winery uh, fairly soon. And we had the uh, uh, soil tested, of course, for where the new winery was going. And the uh, surveyor came back to us and he said, you know, your, your vineyard is actually sitting on a really interesting outcropping of Austin Chalk. Uh, Austin Chalk is this solid limestone bedrock uh, foundation that kind of runs from Austin all the way up through through the the Denton area and up through North Texas, and our farm is sitting on kind of an outcropping of that Austin chalk. So our vineyard really is on about two feet of clay loam soil, and then below that is solid Austin limestone bedrock, and that really uh, leads the vineyard to being um, a. a to produce wines of a lot of intensity and depth because of the struggle that the vines get. They get um, uh, good water from the clay soil, but then it drains pretty rapidly once it hits the limestone bedrock. So the vines really have to dig uh, for their nutrients through that bedrock. 
Um, you know, uh, every vineyard every year will lose about uh, one or two percent of its vines. And so you're always replacing vines in your vineyard as you go. And when we replace our vines out there, um, they'll try to pull the, um, the dead vine out of the ground. But then you get into the limestone and you realize that that vine has actually broken through the limestone with its roots and burrowed through the, the solid rock mm. to get to its nutrients. Um, so, but that's where that vineyard's sitting, two acre vineyard. And I would say, uh, typically we would get about, um, between three and five tons an acre on that vineyard. Uh, we don't overcrop it. We could get more tons than that if we wanted to, but we actually limit the irrigation and, um, uh, we do a lot of shoot thinning and shoot positioning to hold the crop down on the vineyard. Okay. So when you started here, obviously you were by yourself doing the winemaking and don't want to not include Dave here. So I guess uh, you have some help now. Absolutely. Uh, we have some great help uh, from Dave Potter, our assistant winemaker. Um, you know, when it comes to the winemaking industry, I think a lot of people go into it thinking, um, I'll build the building and I'll do most of the work myself or I'll do it all uh, by myself. You know, I'll be that, uh, I'll be that kind of solo winemaker up in the hills, you know, um, and, uh, you know, work in the machinery and, and work in the vineyard. But really the, the first thing you realize when you are in the wine business is that it takes a village, you know, to make the wine and it takes a family to make it too. And, um, it takes a team, you know, um, you can't really be an island in winemaking. You have to have great help and you have to have people that you can trust. And when I met Dave, I thought to myself, here's definitely someone that I can trust uh, helping us in the winery and in the vineyard. And uh, Dave has uh, been with us now for, I guess, how long has it been now, Dave? Mm, a little over a year and a half. A you want to include year last year's harvest? Yeah. yeah. It's been great having Dave help. Uh, he's an excellent uh, assistant winemaker. And as a matter of fact, today, after, the, uh, after our interview here, he and I may uh, uh, go in the back and rack some new um, uh, Negro Moro, uh, some new Italian uh, grapes that we just got out of the High Plains. Cool. So, Dave, what kind of uh, role then do you do here? What kind of jobs? <laughs> Pretty much whatever needs to be done. I mean, <laughs> it's a small family-owned owned vineyard, so uh, it's all hands on deck. Um, primarily, you know, I'm keeping tabs on stuff that Chris may or may not forget, or uh, helping with the cleanup, helping with his dad, his parents in the vineyard. Uh, it just It's really just about everything from the winemaking side to the gardening side to the tasting room. Excellent. So it sounds like you keep very busy here. Uh, I'm learning quite a bit. Let's put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We keep them very busy. Okay. That's so good. Yeah. yeah. Better to be busy than bored, I guess, right? Yeah, that's exactly. true. Yeah, there's never a, a slow moment in the wine industry. That's true. So we, we talked briefly about uh, the awards you've been winning recently. Uh, what kind of wines have you been winning those awards with? Uh, it's been the same varieties that uh, we were talking about, the, the Spanish, the Italian wines, um, and the Southern French wines. So uh, we won several gold medals for our Roussan uh, wines, and then... Um, we also have been experimenting with some field blends. Uh, we've been doing a field blend of Albarino and Viognier. Um, Albarino, of course, being uh, the noble white grape of Spain, and then Viognier being obviously a southern French varietal. 
And uh, we get those grapes actually from Fort Worth, of all places, from Cowtown. Hmm. And we put that blend together. We take the Albarino and the Viognier, and we put both of those grapes together in the same tank um, on the same day from the same vineyard. And we uh, ferment that as a field blend. And that uh, recently won a gold medal in San Francisco International. And they gave it a 91-point score. So that's really a great honor, I think, for those Texas grapes. You know, it really shows that if you're using the right grapes in the right location, you can make award-winning wine. Another grape that's really performing well for us is Ionico. Ionico is um, a southern Italian grape from the uh, Campania region of Italy. Um, we have that grown for us out in the high plains in Brownfield, um, just south of Lubbock on the John Oswald Vineyard. John does a great job of growing that grape. It's, uh, it always comes in every year with uh, great chemistry. And uh, we were thrilled that um, last year, our, uh, our 2014 vintage Ionico won a Jefferson Cup. Jefferson Cup is an invitation-only winemaking competition. Um, and, um, it's kind of situated in the middle of the country. And, uh, there's about 5,000 wines that, uh, are submitted each year to that competition. And just a handful get chosen for the top award, which is a Jefferson Cup. And, uh, that Ionica was one of the ones that was chosen for the Jefferson Cup. Um, some other great performing varieties for us, obviously, are like our Tempranillo, um, uh, Multipulciano. Uh, and like I said, Roussan, you know, Roussan to us is going to become a great white grape in Texas because it's so versatile. You know, we can make a, a dry wine out of it. You can make a sparkling wine out of it. Uh, it has so much structure. A lot of people are really surprised by it. It's really kind of a white grape that wants to be a red grape. Hmm. You know? So uh, those kinds of varieties, you know, Albarino, Ionico, Roussan, just the uh, the major Italian, Spanish, and Southern French varieties, those are the ones that are really, I think, in the future going to be the proven winners for a lot of wineries in Texas. Okay. Well, I appreciate the time you've taken out to speak to us and our listeners, uh, both Dave and Chris. Uh, is there anything else you want to add? Oh, let's see. Anything else we want to add? Support um, your smaller wineries. Yeah. That's definitely. a big thing. And, you know, just by the varietals that we are producing as either blends or straight varietal wines, those are just stuff that you don't see at some of the bigger places. I mean, we've turned around some of the most complex, hard to pronunciate varietals <laughs> on the face of this earth, and we're making them win awards. So that's what it's about. That's right. Don't be afraid to come into the winery and ask how to pronounce something. Exactly. That's right. Yeah. Right. All right. Well, thank you again. And uh, hopefully now I can go maybe taste some of these great wines. So. Yeah, let's do it. All right. So that'll do it for this episode. Until next time, cheers. Thanks for listening to the Texas Wine Lover Podcast. If you would like to read the show notes and see the photos included in a larger size, check out the blog post at texaswinelover.com. Be sure to check out our archive section on the website for previous podcasts. You can also find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash TXWineLover. Plus, we are also on Twitter. Please subscribe to the podcast either on iTunes or Stitcher. And if you like the show, please leave a review on iTunes. Join us next time for another episode of the Texas Wine Lover Podcast. Podcast.